Staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Guess who's perpetuating all of these kinds of ac- actions? It's the men in this country, and I just want to say to the men in this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change. Well, I have great respect for, for Senator Hirono. Um, I am a man. We're trying to do the right thing. I'm not interested in more political or cultural combat. I'm interested in two things. I'm interested in truth and I'm interested in fairness. And we're trying. We're trying. She does not know when it happened, where it happened, and who else was there. Judge Kavanaugh has already categorically denied it. Uh, There's no useful evidence to be served by interviewing him. Uh, It cannot be investigated because there is nothing to investigate. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm live and direct to you, straight from the heartland of this great nation, speaking to you as a citizen of America. Yeah, that makes a difference. So right now, I want to welcome you to the program and encourage you to head over to UrbanFamilyTalk.com and American Family Radio's website, AFR.net. Find great content there. Hit the subscribe button. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all over the interwebs. And if you're watching on the Facebook live stream, particularly of note, please do share the show, share the program because the notifications are really down on Facebook. Um, I posted a couple of things this week that were seen by 300 people out of the tens of thousands of people who are on that page. So they're throttling us back, but they can't stop the news and information from coming out to you. And uh, so we're happy to have you here. Happy to have you listening on traditional terrestrial radio, our bread and butter. Thank you so much for being with the program. I'm Stacy Washington. I'm also the co-chair of National Center's National Advisory Council Project 21. Go to nationalcenter.org to find out more. And let's talk about what's on the show, who's on the show, et cetera, for today. Um, we're going to be unpacking just some more of this whole accuser thing with Kavanaugh. It's the story. Uh, I noticed that news reports all over the interwebs are reporting it as Kavanaugh's sexual assault case, as if it's just a matter of fact that he did what has been alleged. And that's so unfair to him. Uh, We're going to be taking your calls on it as well. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. And then we're going to be speaking with Ryan LaRue, the student pastor of New New Life Christian Center in Rector, Arizona. And uh, sorry, Rector, Arkansas. And we're going to be talking with him about um, the actions of your your youth today. If you're in your youth years, (laughs) actions you take today, this really applies to everyone, um, can really impact your life for decades to come and how we need to be careful uh, in our actions. And we can't discount the impact our actions will have on us in the future. And then we're also going to discuss the deep state declaring that they will not release the documents that President Trump has ordered released. And um, an Illinois Democratic leader saying you vote early, vote often, whatever you can get away with. I mean, honestly, they don't even hide it anymore. So first, I want to get into law professor Jonathan Turley, who for me, he's kind of a bit of a he's I like listening to him. I think he always presents a kind of intelligent analysis. I don't always agree with him, but I feel like he's coming from a position of someone who 
he, he's not particularly partisan. He's just more interested in what the law says, what has happened legally before, and what that portends for the future. So here he is talking uh, about how there's no middle ground with Kavanaugh's accuser, Dr. Ford. It's number two. Start with number one. Number one scenario is a few good men scenario. What are you saying? Well, you know, one possibility, of course, is that uh, you have, you know, someone actually break on the stand, actually have uh, the accuser admit that this is uh, simply false, uh, like the movie. Uh, the problem is that this isn't some powerful Marine general. This is someone who is claiming to be the victim of an attempted rape. Moreover, it's not a few good men on the committee. It's all men. And so it's going to be very hard for the Republicans to deal with the optics of this, uh, to have someone who comes forward and says, look, this guy tried to rape me, and to really sort of drill down and questioning on uh, mm -hmm. whether she's a liar. And so that's going to be a very difficult thing for the Republican members to do. But i got to tell you, as a defense counsel, there's no midpoint here. I mean, when you have a case where someone is alleging a sexual assault or rape, either it's that person's a victim or that person is a liar. And and you don't have any midpoint. If you finish midpoint, the jury tends to rule against the defendant. So the Republicans are going to be in a tough position. Either they're going to have to address this or not. Now, it is possible to have a polygraph with a false memory. You know, it is possible for her to be mistaken right. that this really wasn't Kavanaugh and still pass a polygraph. I've done polygraph cases in the national security area, and they are not nearly as right. precise as people think they are. So this is excellent for us to keep top of mind that just because someone says they've passed a polygraph doesn't mean that their information is completely accurate in the context of the accusation that has been made. Now, I found it interesting over at Law and Crime, the Law and Crime blog, they're reporting that there's been a, a pretty interesting uh, prediction made by Ed Whalen. He's the president of the conservative think tank Ethics and Public Policy Center. He tweeted out a prediction that by this time next week, by one week from today, I'm reading his tweet right here, I expect that Judge Kavanaugh will have been clearly vindicated on this matter. Specifically, I expect that compelling evidence will show his categorical denial to be truthful. There will be no cloud over him. And then he tweets another uh, second missive. He says, Sexual assault is a terrible thing if its victims suffer grievously. It's precisely because sexual assault is so terrible that it is deeply unjust when someone is mistakenly, even good faith mistakenly, accused of having committed it. Everyone should rejoice when the mistake is found. So I, I agree with that as well. And I think it's interesting um, that this is the second person to kind of say, hey, you know, uh, it's it's possible that because the memory is so old that she's mistaking Kavanaugh for someone else. So this very well may have happened to her, but possibly it was someone else. And I I just I want to make the point that um, I know I know people listen to the show and no one's going to agree with me ever a hundred percent of the time. In fact, it's impossible to find someone who agrees with you a hundred percent of the time. Whether it's your best friend, your mom, your daughter, your your, your sister. Uh, you know, anyone, your spouse, no one agrees with you 100% of the time. And I really respect, you know, uh, dissenters who honestly are asking a question or, or, you know, posing something. But when I get the hate ones, you know, the ones where someone's just angry because they're just a, a rank partisan and just 
listening to the program sends them off into, you know, mad keyboard typing, like the little meme of the cat typing madly at the, you know, nothing, nothing normal is coming out of the, the keyboard, but they're just typing as fast as they can. That just spurs me on. It just spurs me on. I, I, when I see the, the emails from people who say the different things, especially the, the horrible ones, it just spurs me on. It doesn't, it doesn't slow me down in the slightest little bit. And so I just say that because, you know, facts are our friends. And, and so there you go. And so on the Kavanaugh issue, it's no different. I don't believe he did this. I don't believe that Christine Ford, she's a doctor. She's well-respected in her field. She's got a great education. And by all accounts, she seems like she might be, you know, a decent person. She's also a Democratic operative. She just basically lives off of everything having to do with the Democrats. And she would do anything to take down Judge Kavanaugh because this is this is really it hinges upon. And I want to make this point. This hinges upon the fact that most of the gains we've seen in the culture made by the hardcore left, same sex marriage, the uh, right to contraceptions found in the Constitution, which I'm, I'm pretty sure contraception wasn't in the Constitution, the right to abortion. A constitutional mandate that says, you know, it doesn't matter what gender you are. You're there's just all these different things. They're all cultural wars that couldn't have been won at the ballot box that Democrats have been able to force through by the Supreme Court. So the idea that they would no longer control the Supreme Court has been something that they've been worried about ever since they got their first victory. And that is why the Supreme Court confirmation process has been turned into such a circus. So that's what's going on here. It's about abortion, yes, but it's about being able to use the Supreme Court to create constitutional rights based around immorality. It's about being able to do that. With five conservatives on the court, that's not a possibility. They need someone to be a swing vote, someone who will swing to the left with them on social issues and then maybe just be solid on you know everything else. But when they need him, he'll answer the call. If Judge Kavanaugh can't be relied upon to further encroach upon religious liberty and personal freedom, then they're not going to do it. And, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I'm not for immorality, you are if you're voting for them. You are if you're voting for them. I'll see you in my email box. Let's go to the phones. Drew in Texas. Thank you so much for calling into the show today on American Family Radio. Hey, hello. Hi, turn Hello? your radio down. Hi, welcome to the show. Okay, I, I just had my iPad on. Okay. Do you have a comment? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I thought that uh, I was listening to the show. Um, I was just noting that uh, she that in the tape she played, she played a. Uh, she noted that uh, in the tape, it was noted that there is going to be a um, appearance that there's going to be all these white men uh, attacking uh, Dr. Ford if there's a hearing. And Grassley has already said he's going to have an independent questionnaire, which I'm guessing is going to be a woman, uh, to basically uh, neutralize that claim or that appearance. And so I think that's, that expectation is uh, been handled already and that it's kind of weird that they keep saying that even after Grassley has made clear he he's probably going to have an independent questioner and not the congressman. And Susan Collins even wants to have the lawyers do all the questioning. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine, but it seems as if she's really reluctant to show up. Has there been an update to whether or not she even plans to appear? Well, that, that's if she shows up. But, I mean, if she does show up, we'll, we'll know at 10, a, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, right? Because that's when right. we set the deadline. Right. But if, even if she does show up, the, the hope that there would be this ugly appearance that of being grilled by 10 white men or whatever the case is has been neutralized by the uh, tactic that Grassley has chosen, which is part of why she may not be wanting to show up. It's because it, it's not, there's not a whole lot to gain from showing up, and she would be under oath, and she could, uh, if she is making this all up, she could say a detail which then could be verified, which then could put her under perjury charges. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you're there, Drew. <laughs> we are the Unimind. So I was thinking about this this morning at a long drive back from a shooting location this morning, and I was thinking the same thing. I literally said, Drew, to myself, maybe the reason she doesn't want to show up is because anyone who appears before a Senate Judiciary Committee is placed under oath. And maybe if she's under oath and she tells these stories, that might put her in some kind of legal jeopardy. You, I think you hit it right on the head. And I think he's really smart. Chairman Grassley is super smart to say uh, we're going to have a, a, a female attorney question to neutralize this idea that men are holding a tribunal against her. Really, really good stuff. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Um, I, I, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would not want to be placed under oath and trotted out to tell a story that, honestly, she doesn't seem like she really knows all of the details herself. The other possibility is that she could – the reason she wants an investigation is so that somehow through the course of the investigation they can find someone who remembers a party like the one she describes and can remember the date, maybe has photographs, maybe, oh, it was at my house. The party she's talking about was at my house, and then they'll have a specific time frame, and then she can kind of use that as a jumping-off point to continue to craft her story. I want to remind everybody, yesterday we put out a call based on someone actually at requesting from us – I'm so excited about this. When you pray over your meals, please add in a prayer for Judge Kavanaugh and his family uh, for their health and safety and for them to be able to withstand this onslaught and for the conclusion of this saga with this uh, accusation that's been made against him. And of course, you know, if you feel so, let also play, pray for uh, Dr. Ford, that she would tell the truth and that the Lord would be real to her as well. When we get back, we're going to have Ryan LaRue, student pastor at New Life Christian Center, and more. Stay right there. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the very first day in Israel, when we're staying in Jerusalem, we go to the Mount of Olives. And it's there at the Mount of Olives we look out over the old city of Jerusalem. It's a spectacular sight. You've seen it in pictures before, but it's another thing to actually be there as we walk down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we pray there. It's going to be a wonderful time with brothers and sisters from around the country visiting the Holy Land, the land of Jesus. If you want information on this March 14th through the 22nd tour, just call us and we'll send you a brochure. Call 1-800-FAMILIES, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option five, and leave us your name and your address and we'll mail you a brochure. 
Or if you want to simply go online at twholyland.com, everything's there. twholyland.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Some time ago, I took my son and one of his friends with me when I spoke to one of the professional sports teams in our city. Now, my son had been with me on such other occasions, but this was the first time for his friend to be up close and personal with professional athletes. After I spoke and we hung out a little, as we were walking out, I asked my son's friend what he thought. His response was priceless. He said, I can't believe how normal they are. I mean, they're almost like us. (laughs) I sort of chuckled to myself. Well, they are. They're very much like us. They can just do a little something we can't do ourselves. That reminds me that somebody else became like us, just like us. Jesus didn't become less God, but he became perfect man. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, there's this incredible insight into the humanity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Listen to the warm language of this text. Jesus thoroughly identified with us. He calls us his brothers. He represents us before the Father, and he knows what it means to be tempted. Because he knows what it means to be tempted, he rushes to our aid. No, he didn't sin, but he was tempted. Here's what I want you to remember today. You're not alone. Jesus Christ is not only our Lord and Savior, He's our representative. He's our brother. He's one of us. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today uh, here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Very exciting to, uh, is today Thursday? I believe it is. Today's Thursday. Ooh, it's been such a week. I've been just making it on through. Uh, Let's go back to the phones really quickly while we're working on getting our guests. Um, We have Pastor Norm, I think it is. Thank you so much for calling the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> How are you doing, Stacy? I'm doing pretty well. How about you, Pastor? I'm good. I'm good. I hate to uh, have to kind of burst your bubble today, but I don't think this thing is going to turn out good for Kavanaugh. And I don't think it have anything to do with him. But I've been watching this. I'm 72 years old, and I've been watching uh, the trend uh, in America for a good while. And what happens is, and I hear uh, Abraham say it all the time, when good men do nothing, evil flourishes. And what has happened in America is, for such a long time, American culture have allowed, we've allowed men uh, to mistreat women 
uh, and nothing ever comes of it. I mean, I, and it's, it's right. It's through all of the races, black, white, don't don't matter. Uh, I mean, in, in just even in the workplace, we're just now getting to a place where we're starting to talk about the fact that women ought to be paid the same thing as men uh, for doing the same work. And so in this culture, we have allowed this stuff to go on so long until it produced uh, probably one of the worst things that we've seen is the Me Too movement. And everybody's getting on board with it now. And when you accused of something like this judge is accused of, unless you can come up with absolute proof that you did not do it, you're going to have a cloud hanging over you for the rest of your life. And I'm afraid this is what's going to happen to this man. Now, mm. I, I don't know whether the woman is telling the truth or not, but I do know that she has a modicum of credibility because it is a, a known fact that in 2012, she talked to two therapists about this same deal. She didn't call a name. And uh, her husband was aware of it because he was in one of me. So it gives her a little bit of a modicum of uh, a reality. Uh, I, whether she got the wrong guy or not, I don't know. But this thing is going to destroy this man's credibility. And, it's, I, and, and I'm laying it at the feet of our culture. We have allowed this thing to get to this point. I may be wrong, Stacey, but that's that's the way I see it. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Norm, for calling in and and for sharing that. I appreciate it. I appreciate the call. Um, I don't know. I think. Let's see. How can I? I so this. First off, I can agree that there have been many, many instances where people have uh, been accused of of sexual harassment, and the 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 victim has been brushed aside. And it has been a problem, especially in certain industries. Hollywood has really been a cesspool um, of of this kind of behavior. So I, I I can agree that culturally we haven't always been where we needed to be on believing women and having women feel comfortable to come forward, you know, about things that have happened. By the same token, we've had a number of women who've cheapened the cause by making false accus- accusations and um, then once that's found out, it makes it harder for true victims to actually come forward. So I think that's definitely something that we can we can own. As far as the comments about women's pay, the Daily Signal, the Heritage Foundation, a number of other organizations that think tanks that do the research have shown that when you equalize out the time that women spend outside of the workforce for childbearing and for other pursuits – Women are on par with men. Women do not earn 80 cents for every dollar that a man makes. Women earn parity. They are at parity for pay. The only reason you see discrepancies is that women take time off in the workforce to have children. And men do not have to take time off when their wife has a baby. And so that impacts their time in grade, their time in service, their seniority, their ability to have the same positions that uh, comparably educated men have. We have more women attending college than men. It's, it's almost 52% of college people are, uh, are, are women. 
And this idea that somehow women are so disadvantaged here in this country flies in the face of treatment of women in other countries. And so I'm not saying that because Sharia law means women can't be outside in 115 degree heat in Saudi Arabia without a black curtain on that American women should just sit down. By no means am I saying that, but I I believe it's relative. And I think we have got to have the conversation centered around facts and so I don't, I don't think the, the pay issue comes in to the story with Kavanaugh. And I, I would say, you know, whether or not he's able to prove himself innocent, the onus is not on him to prove that he's innocent. The onus is on the person who's accusing specifically to provide enough information that a case can be drawn up and that would prompt an investigation. Since this is outside of the statute of limitations, the idea that Judge Kavanaugh should have his career besmirched or derailed is absolutely ludicrous. And I don't believe that Republicans and clear thinking people who are in charge of this process are going to permit that to happen. What may happen is that it will continue to be something that the leftist media just trots out uh, the way they trot out Anita Hill. Every time you turn around, you know, every every 10 years or so, they resurrect her back up and pump her full of air and put her out front as well, look at what Justice Thomas got away with. No, and good and doggone well, he didn't do any of that stuff. It's just, it'll be the same for Judge Kavanaugh. The, but the idea that anyone should be removed from consideration for a job because of an accusation flies in the face of innocent until proven guilty. If he cannot be investigated, charges brought properly so that he can face his accuser and defend himself, then there is no case, which means moving on. So um, let's go to Rajigo. Hey, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Okay, so a couple of things that I wanted to disagree. Um, so, thing actually, um, thank you for taking my call. And sure. I have a comment. I was, you know, I was abused when I was a kid. And I remember exactly who did it, when it happened. And I'm not taking anything away from her. But I was much younger. I, that would happen about, oh my gosh, 31 years ago. Um, but it's not something you forget, especially being sexually abused. Um, secondly, I disagree with the pastor that called in because a lot of the things that he talked about were very worldly. A, I, I listen to Vardy Bauckham quite a bit, and I don't like the fact when Christians refer to other Christians, or when we refer as racist. I mean, and the fact that he mentions that, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are, whether you're black, white, or anything, you know, this whole Me Too movement, that's not a biblical view of it. A biblical view of it is that sin exists, and it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are or what nationality you are, sin exists. Um, but the fact that um, we should look at the testimony, as the Bible tells us, of two or more witnesses, there you and go. And she has none. There you go. He has plenty, and she has none. You're, you are correct. Yeah, He's he actually got people who were supposed to have been no. there. Yeah, that, that's what I'm reading is that he has people who she's named as people who were there. The, the guy named PJ, I, I reported on him yesterday. He's already said that no party such as this was attended by he and, him, and his friend. Uh, back then, you know, it was just regular old Brett Kavanaugh when he was a kid. And also that he'd never seen him behave in that way, which completely refutes her story, completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that even two of his ex-girlfriends speak highly of him. Um, so there you go. I mean, it'd be great if we were going by biblical 
uh, values, um, but such is not the case. But still, um, uh, it's just a farce, is what this is, and it's just a typical Alinskyite uh, from the from the playbook of Alinsky. Uh, it is the same thing thing. they've done with they you know they tried it with Mitt Romney they did it with Clarence Thomas they did it with Judge Bork they're trying it with Judge Kavanaugh and in really the Me Too movement if you think about it it's just a way to make the process more effective and and speed it up because without the Me Too movement kind of hanging over everyone's head to kind of order that if you're accused you're automatically guilty then Every accusation doesn't stick quite as well. Me Too movement actually makes that possible. And I know that's really, that's a sad statement for me to make, Rodrigo, for women who actually were sexually harassed or abused, who see the Me Too movement as a way for them to finally be heard. But there's a political agenda behind it that really doesn't care about the victims. Correct. And we, and and absolutely, my heart goes out to those, as I said. Somebody mm-hmm. who was sexually abused by, by another, you know, I'm not ashamed because I'm, I've been made new in Christ, and it wasn't my fault, but by a man. And, and so I know what it's like to be sexually abused, and I take nothing away from the pain, and even when, especially when you live with it for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have to understand, we have to, we have to discern uh, and take a look at it from, from the point of view is what adds up, what is consistent, what, is, uh, what seems right in our eyes, what seems logical in our eyes, and remove that emotion from it. And right now, with looking at things logically, we, we take a look at this as a man who has been upright for, and nobody's perfect, but he has been upright for, for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, has not had any complaints, uh, has no, no accusation such as this has ever been brought up to him. And to think that all of a sudden this woman who clearly has a political agenda, her lawyer is a director or is in some type of board for a George Soros-funded corporation or organization. She actually, she actually uh, uh, again, took a lie detector test back in August, got it lawyered up in August. Um, so it's like, see, this is a preparation. This is not something that is spontaneous. This is absolutely premeditated. And so it's sad. It's sad. And I will continue to pray for Judge Kavanaugh and his daughters because, again, this is typical, unfortunately, of the new, and not so new left, where it's uh, it, the ends justify the means. Oh, yep. I, I, I agree. I'm, I am, I offer you, you know, my condolences and sympathy for what you went through as a kid, but it sounds like you've been able to uh, walk through forgiveness and, and healing in Jesus Christ, which I encourage the, the listeners to hear what Rodrigo, Rodrigo has said uh, in his testimony. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for calling the show today. You know, I just, I kind of, I just, I, I think it's kind of upsetting that we're, this is our new normal. This is our new reality and when we are hoping and, and, you know, kind of looking forward to something to have it go in this way, in other words, it, it would be one thing if uh, Judge Kavanaugh had been brought forward and, you know, he didn't do well in the hearings. He lost his temper. He wasn't able to answer questions on key issues pertaining to the judiciary or the Constitution or any of that. Or maybe, you know, he wasn't prepared or didn't show up and, and you know, present himself in a professional way. If any of those things were to occur, then you would say, wow, 
he just wasn't ready for prime time. He's, he's not the man for the job. But to have him come forward and to perform as well as he did under the circumstances and then to, for the hearings to close. And then we find out that I just read earlier today that that. Uh, so Dr. Ford actually met with the senator about telling her story, but remaining anonymous back in July. Now, the lie detector and the lawyering up did happen in August, as Rodrigo had just mentioned. But that is not that's not the, the timeline of events of someone who's just trying to get a story out there to prevent someone who isn't qualified from becoming the nominee. It's as if she said, you know, if I come forward now during the confirmation process, they're going to put me under oath as they did everyone else who appeared. They're going to make me come before the committee and testify. Not only do I not want to be associated with this publicly, but I don't want to be held to that standard. So how do you avoid that? Well, the ranking minority member is Dianne Feinstein. So all her senator had to do was go to Dianne Feinstein and say, look, she has this allegation against Kavanaugh, but she's not willing to go under oath and she doesn't want to appear before the committee. But we need to level this accusation if he makes it through the process. Now, we've got 240 protesters who are going to show up in the room and scream and yell. We've got people who are going to harass his family at home. We have plenty of people online. We have people writing articles. We have, you know, four or five or 600 people from his former law school to say that, yeah, he was great, but he's not that great. He shouldn't be the Supreme Court nominee. We've got all of that going. But what if he's able to withstand it all? And what does Dianne Feinstein say? I'll take it under advisement. Send me a letter. You know, maybe you want to get somebody to help you draft up a letter. And we'll save this. We'll keep it in our back pocket. Keep it, keep it close. And we won't use her unless we need her. Tell her her, her anonymity is safe. We won't use her. And now here we are. They weren't able to get rid of him on their own. So they're going to use her. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Don't you think that that, that sounds more plausible than this idea that, and I, I I'm not trying to minimize what happened to her. If, if something happened to her, you know, my goodness, God bless her. I, I'm, that is something awful that you never want to happen to people. It's heartbreaking. But if you really have a truly, you know, honest objection, is this the way you bring it forward? And you tell me. Do you use a Democratic operative as your attorney or do you go find someone who's completely separate and apart from politics because you don't want that to be, you don't want your story sullied by political considerations? I can tell you, I would have come forward immediately at the very beginning, as soon as his name appeared on a list, back when the president was putting people out there. Not now. All right, when we get back, we're going to have more for you. We'll take your calls, 866-963-2037. Be right back. it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. My third year of playing professional football, I was traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the San Francisco 49ers. Moving to San Francisco, I was surprised at how prevalent the drug usage was there. However, because of the way my parents raised me, I was never tempted to use them. Unfortunately, one of my teammates had gotten into the drug culture because he thought that's what pro athletes did. But because I had come from a Super Bowl team and didn't do drugs, it made him feel that he didn't have to either. We forget that peer pressure works in both directions. 
We can influence others to make better choices simply by making decisions that are true to our own convictions. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. During Judge Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee, some senators took time to utilize visual aids to castigate the Federalist Society for their role in compiling the president's list of Supreme Court nominees. The insinuation is that the Federalist Society is some horrible organization whose support is a negative for any jurist. Yet a cursory search yields telling results. Every sitting Supreme Court justice has addressed the Federalist Society, and most of them have expressed love and appreciation for the group. Justice Elena Kagan once declared her admiration during an address in 2012. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has presented as a speaker at Federalist Society events. Justice Sotomayor spoke on a panel on confirmation battles and presidential nominations at a Yale Law School Federalist event. Apparently, the organization cultivates relationships with all sides of the legal world. Someone should alert the Democratic members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. From America's election headquarters. This cycle, Ted Cruz knows he's a target. If you're a wealthy liberal sitting in New York City or Massachusetts or San Francisco right now, and you could defeat one Republican in the country, it'd be me. The candidate challenging the Republican Texas Senator, Democratic Congressman Beto O'Rourke. Politico writes Texas has Beto-mania. Esquire says he could be the next Obama. Vanity Fair calls him Kennedy-esque. They all talk about his hair and his teeth. They talk about no substance. Nothing about his record. They don't talk about his being open to abolishing ICE. O'Rourke has parlayed positive press into a $10 million fundraising advantage over Cruz, making this one of the midterm's most expensive contests. O'Rourke framed the race like this at a recent event. It's about the future of this country, the big things that we want to do, going from the least insured state in the country to the one that leads on universal health care. In Houston, Texas, Peter Ducey, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, here's what I would say. If, if I believed the person in front of me had committed a serious offense that would disqualify them from being on the Supreme Court, I would bring it up to them. I would not let that go unchallenged. So here's what I'm going to do. This is not that complicated. It's a 36-year-old allegation. It's a serious allegation. Everybody d- needs to be heard, but also people need to defend themselves. I'm going to look at what she said about Brett Kavanaugh in high school and compare that to everything else I know about Brett Kavanaugh, including his denial, and I'll make a decision. And here's what I want your audience to know. If Ms. Ford really did not want to come forward, never intended to come forward, never planned to come forward, why did she pay for a polygraph in August, and why did she hire a lawyer in August if she never intended to do what she's doing. Nobody else has made that point, Senator. It's a poignant point and an interesting question. Uh, And who paid for it? And who paid for it? Great question. Um, And I think, you know, like the callers have been saying, perhaps that's why she didn't want to go before the Senate Judiciary Committee, because one of the questions that she's going to be asked, whether it's through an intermediary, whether it's directly from senators, is... What political help have you received to bring forward this accusation? What help from political groups, people, politicians, et cetera, 
have you received in order to make this accusation? Are you currently being paid or supported in any way by any politically affiliated group, nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera? She's going to have these questions asked to her because they're good questions. Fantastic questions, in fact. Why not? Let's go back to the phones. We have Eddie in Texas. Thank you so much for calling the show today, Eddie. Hi. Wow, you came back. (laughs) Thank you for calling. Uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, I forgot to mention this, too. I, I have been a court-appointed child advocate, mm-hmm. and I was trained in all this type of thing. I've experienced it, and um, it is kind of an unusual reaction. And also, uh, I'm glad the caller before mentioned this because it was, it's been on my heart. You know, the enemy is crafty. Mm-hmm. And hi, Stacy. I didn't even say hi. Hi. <laughs> no, it's fine. It. It's fine. Thank, Thank you. you for calling. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, the caller before, um, right as I was just thinking how crafty the enemy is, this has been orchestrated, I think, years ago, not even, maybe even decades. And this is just evil. And I don't know why we're allowing this. And the third thing is martial law. <laughs> What do you mean by that? I mean, with the border wall and everything, ah, I just would mm-hmm. like to just see Donald Trump declare martial law. I got to tell you, I'm just so I've thought about that many times, Eddie, many times. I've, I've actually sat up to myself and thought, you know, back in the day when George Bush was president, you know, he was a little bit harder core. We, we have had presidents kind of take matters into their own hands occasionally. They haven't had too often. But our southern border is so disgusting, the sex trafficking and all of that. When I think about what's happening to those young children and little girls who are being brought up here to come into our country and how they're being treated and abused, I just, I'm with you. I, I, I would almost advocate for anything that would put a stop to it. And I know people think it's because I'm a xenophobe, but it's not. I, I hate what's happening to those children. I hate it, and it's wrong. Thank you so much for calling today, Eddie. I appreciate you calling and great comments. Uh, let's go to John. John, thank you so much for calling into the show. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Well, um, his comment was that he should be able to take a polygraph test. Well, polygraph tests are unreliable. So while the FBI may give polygraph tests to people that they suspect of leaking information and that their jobs may be in jeopardy, Polygraph tests are not admissible in a court of law. At least last I checked, they weren't. Uh, not a lawyer, don't play one on TV. So you might have to, you know, double check with someone who is an attorney. Uh, we actually have a fantastic attorney who has a show on this network. It's Abraham Hamilton III, and he, he just kills it every day. So, but I, I'm pretty sure polygraphs are inadmissible in court. And for all intents and purposes, when you appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee and you're placed under oath, you may as well be in a court of law. It places you in legal jeopardy to lie while you're there. So Judge Kavanaugh has already been there. He's already been questioned. He's been questioned under oath. Um, his testimony was written down and taken taken into the record. And if Dr. Blasey Ford decides to appear before the, the, the committee, her testimony will also be, she will be placed under oath and her testimony will be placed into the record and it will go into the file that has to do with Kavanaugh's confirmation. So... You know, I'm I'm all about doing the best that we can and listening to the things that people like if someone has a a you know an accusation that, that it should be brought forward. But I tell you what, 
you know, Eddie's got a great point there. How long has this been in the works to derail this man? Like, how badly do people on the political left want to stop the Kavanaugh nomination? How badly do they want to prevent him from being seated on the Supreme Court? And why? We could speculate all day, but I'm pretty sure part of it has to do with the social issues and other things that the Democrats have on their agenda that may not be so mainstream, that may not be a part of what we all you know, are, are aware of, these things being on the agenda and ready and, and primed and the pump ready to go. And with the Supreme Court that's decidedly against changing the Constitution, could be very, very difficult to get that stuff rammed through. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, please do remember to call in for listener stories. Did you guys know that Sherathon's coming up? Sherathon will be October 16th through 18th. And that is going to be so fantastic. And we need you to call in. Call 877-327-5647. Do it to just call, give your first name, the state you're calling from, share your story, talk about how this show has maybe impacted you in a positive way. Please say nice things. Um, give us a phone call and do that for us. I'm going to give you the number one more time. It's 877-327-5647. Thank you so much for doing that. And if you're just tuning into the show, welcome. We're taking calls right now, 866-963-2037. We're also reminding people um, to pray over Judge Kavanaugh and his family and the entire process and the wisdom of the individuals who've been placed in authority over the process. Uh, When you sit down to your lunch, your dinner, or your breakfast, and it's easy to pray about an issue if you uh, say, I'm going to pray about this over my meals. And I got the idea from a pastor of ours who asked us to pray over him um, at dinner time. (laughs) And so he would say, you know, keep me in your prayers. Please pray over me when you pray over your meals. And it was such a unique thing, you know, when he said it, it just kind of, I was like, oh, wow, that's easy to remember. And so we started doing that. And he would come into church and he'd say, oh, you know, I was feeling, feeling under the weather this week. And I, he said, I, I believe your prayers lifted me up. Thank you so much. And I, we were really, we were really, really good and diligent about doing it. So I think it's a great way to remember to pray for a specific issue or for a person. And we can actually have our own little hashtag over our meals, OOM, hashtag OOM. And after this process is completed and we see God's answer to prayer in this issue, we could pray over something else. So that, and of course, always we want to keep lifted up the people in uh, the East Coast in North and South Carolina where the storms came in, uh, people still without power there, and there's a lot of rebuilding that'll have to happen because of the flooding. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. The predictions were that it would be so catastrophic. I believe it wasn't as bad because God answered our prayers. So we'll have to keep praying and relying on him, which is such a privilege. And we are so blessed to be able to do that. Um, So let's now. Oh, all right. Well, let's go to uh, Day in Arkansas. Thank you for calling the show today. Thank you. Hey, how are you? you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Every day. I'm a dump truck driver, so I'm on the road all day long, and I listen to all of y'all. But my thing I want to say is it doesn't matter how many years ago it was that it happened or didn't happen, because I had it happen to myself when I was seven. I'm 55, okay? I remember every detail, how many kids were in the room, what they did, 
where we were, what town it was in, what building it was in. We were on the floor. I remember every single detail. So there's no way, in my opinion, that this can possibly be true. I think it's all made up. And and that's because she said she doesn't remember the date of the party, the place of the party, how she got home. So the key remember, details yeah. are missing. I mean, she doesn't remember the town. It's a rural. It's urban. Okay, there's a big, big urban. Mom was in the country. I can still point to the building and tell you what town it was in. Wow. You know, I mean, I can wow. still do that. I'm 55. Wow. So that's all, that's 40-something years ago. And you still remember you know, everything. I can tell you how many kids were in there watching when it happened, and they were too little to know it was wrong also. Wow. You know, so I remember the age of the boy that did it. He was 15. Wow. You can't even remember any of that. So I, I think you know, I just, that's, I that's think why she doesn't want to testify, though. Don't you think, Day, that that's why she doesn't want to come yeah, in? Yeah, because, I mean, how, how many people can you actually pull in that this has happened to that are going to remember everything? Every single detail, and she can't. Mm. If she wants to do this to him, who has already passed almost every single question, wrong, right, or twisted that they can give him. No, I'm all for Trump, and I'm all for him, and and I don't believe a word of it. And I'm I'm just disgusted with the Democrats. I mean, and, and the Republicans, because they should stop being cowards and stand up, stand up. Mm. You know, that's what that's what we did. That's how we got Trump in there. You know, they need to stand up like the people that voted them in stood up. Well, thank you so much for calling the show. Um, I'm I'm so glad that you're adding that perspective because the truth is what we need right here. The truth and for us to be able to compare to your experiences is invaluable. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Sharon in Alabama. Thank you so much for calling the show. Hello. Hi, Sharon. Thanks for calling the show. Um, Stacy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome to the oh, program. Thank you for Hi. Taking my call. <laughs> sure. Um, I just wanted to say, in regards to the Kavanaugh confirmation, you know, we all talk about how the Democrats are smart. You know, they've been in there in their offices since they graduated high school, practically. Oh yeah. What What about the possibility that they had at least one woman lined up for each of the possible nominees that Trump had on his list to step forward and pull this crap. And the only reason it's taken so long to get this professor or whatever she is to step forward is because they didn't know about Kavanaugh till the last minute. Then they've got to step. Then they've got to come up with, okay, what are we going to pay her? What have we got to threaten her? Mm. I'm just saying. You know, I at this point I don't have anything to put past because I. So I would normally let, let's let's be real here, Sharon. Normally I would say, now wait a minute, one person for each of the nominees, and then, but then if you look at the timeline for her, so we're talking about her talking to her attorney. Or talking to her her lawyer. No, it wasn't her lawyer. She was talking to the senator for her. So her senator, not Diane Feinstein, but her senator back in July. So when was it announced that Kavanaugh was under consideration? It were, there were three of them. See, we have to go back and look at the timeline. But it it could what you're what you're alleging could 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 pan out if 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 the timeline kind of lays out the way that 
it looks like it lays out. I mean, it's just so while we're all thinking, who's it going to be? They're like, well, we know it's one of these 25. So let's get, you know, let's let's make sure we have somebody. William in Georgia. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Hey, William, thanks for calling the show. Hey, hey, Jason, how you doing? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, you know, here's my thing. You know, concerning this, uh, you know, this Kavanaugh situation. You know, uh, one thing we have to say for sure: we know that this is just another one of those political hail mary uh, um, situations by the liberals to try to uh, find some type of desperate means to delay this hearing because we know already know that he's qualified for it. And the fact that you know, uh, Christine Forrest will try to come out with this this late in the game just further confirms that matter. And realistically, you know, if she doesn't show up for this, I, I, I think they should go ahead and go and go and confirm him because realistically, they had anything on him. This would have been revealed years ago, and it wouldn't have taken this long for this to happen. But, I, I, I can't disagree with you. I've, I know for one thing, um, I, I honestly believe that if it were a credible allegation. We have seen many, many times before on the Republican side, William, where people just step away. People will say that person is no longer for consideration. We've seen political candidates have their support dropped. I mean, if Republicans think you've actually done something wrong, they're the first ones to quickly drop you. I just don't see this having the sticking power that some of the other allegations that actually, you know, were much more closely aligned with the truth have had. And, And so I just... This isn't about me not wanting to believe an accuser or about me having some allegiance to Kavanaugh. I do not. But I do have an allegiance to the truth, and I don't want people railroaded. Because it could be you. It could be anyone. Remember the sowing and the reaping. As Christians, we should be especially careful not to be on the side of convicting people improperly. Because you don't want that coming back on you. All right. Have a fantastic evening.